James, what do you think of uh, our call with Diggity today? Dude, we had a, an SEO legend on the podcast. We're just going from strength to strength on here with guests, aren't we? Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> not sure how we're going to one up this on the next episode, but I think our guests next week will be exciting as well. No, yeah, um, for sure, man. It's really interesting to hear uh, Matt talk about how he finds these A players and like the impacts that a B player can have on your team. Mm-hmm. I think that that really resonated with me. Besides that, it was just like fun to get to know him. I, him and I have never spoken um, live before. It's only through message. So it's be, it's mm-hmm. good to meet him beforehand. And uh, yeah. It's nice. to we, hear about so we dive his, into some things that he doesn't usually talk about on his YouTube, on his socials, website, all that kind of stuff, you know, with stuff about his different businesses and things. So everyone listening, you'll, you'll get a little more insight into, into Matt Diggity and what he's doing day to day. And, and we do dive into some SEO stuff too. It's not just, just pure that we dive into some topical authority stuff. Some, some eat, he doesn't believe in eat, which for anyone listening. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be the title, man. That's going to be the clickbait title. If you clicked on this because of that title. Yeah, it's real. So get in there. Yeah. And guys, guys, please, guys and girls, please go like the YouTube video. And also, like, if you guys have time, go comment as well. I'm not going to force you this week as well. Um, <laughs> I'll probably force you next week because I think this is already a banger of an episode. Also, yeah. find out what Matt Diggity said about uh, backlinks and if it's dead or not. I think uh, this the answer oh, might yes. surprise you. Also, sign up for HRFs. Oh, yeah, sign up for HRFs, guys. Sponsor for this week. What's good, everyone? It's Jackie Chow. And this is James DeLacy. And you're listening to This Week in Digital Marketing. All right. uh, What's up, guys? Um, Welcome to This Week in Digital Marketing. I'm Jackie Chow, and joined with me today is James DeLacy, and we have a special guest on. Um, No intros needed, Matt Diggity. Uh, Why don't you give yourself a quick intro for the audience, but no need, none needed, obviously. Sure. I've been in this SEO game since uh, 2009. Uh, my first uh, forte into to it was um, affiliate marketing. I just wanted like a way to like not have to go to an office and a cubicle to make money. So it's just like I read the Four Hour Work Week. I went to a meetup which was like discussing the book the Four Hour Work Week, and it turned out everyone there was going through a course on affiliate marketing via SEO. I was like, okay, well, well I'll try this like everyone else, and I just found out like. This is a match made in heaven. I have this gamer type personality and I like to be at the top of leaderboards. Google is a leaderboard. And this whole thing about like, well, you, you have a website that can make money for you while you're sleeping. I was like, I was hooked. So I just uh, never stopped. Uh, I've made a few businesses since then. Um, and I just doubled down. They're all related to SEO. I have a course, I have an agency. I've um, had some services. I, I have a portfolio company and I'm just relentless. I, I really like it. I, I can say hands down, even after all this time, I'm still super interested in it. I love SEO. Nice. Amazing, man. I, I think uh, we're, we used to be both, uh, we were both in the same field before, right? I think uh, you're, you were also an electrical engineer. Is mm-hmm. that how you started off? And then you hated the job and Googled how to make money is, and then. Found yeah. It. I mean, dude, I, like we could probably, you're coming to Chiang Mai pretty soon. So we'll probably spend a good, I don't know, hour or two, at least I hope so. Just talking about like what it was like coming from that. Uh, but I just found being an engineer, like 
I mean, the, the pay was good. You come right out of school and you're getting 70,000 a year. Um, but like the, that's that particular culture was like, if you're not working 60 hours, you're the laziest person. You're not going to get a promotion. And so like, and then if you do get a promotion, that's just more responsibilities and less time. And so I just like, I did, I looked at the horizon of this and I just thought this isn't sustainable. I'm going to burn out. And, and plus like, I mean, I'm interested in electronics, but an electrical engineer, you're not, you're not like making anything useful. You're making one piece <laughs> and a little chip that's like, does the audio for this little microphone right here. Like you don't feel like you're doing anything. Um, at least that's my experience. And like the, the terribleness of it for me is what propelled me to never look back. I, I just knew I can never go back to that. So I got to make this thing work. So I, I do feel like it was part of the journey. Dude, the parallels to coaching and professional sport is just like you, what you guys experience is the same thing, like except less pay <laughs> and moving <laughs> all over the world for different jobs, just sh yeah, shitty contracts, shitty pay, shitty hours, all that stuff. And just for, you get sold on the glamour of working with pro athletes and pro sports in front of people in stadiums and whatnot, but that only takes yeah. you so far. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're, if you're sitting in like a day job and you've ever had the words come up in your mind, what is it all for? Then you got to like, think about abandoning ship. Cause those, those words would be like, that was like a daily occurrence. Like, why am I doing this? Like, what is the point? But, but there is, I, I mean, I truly feel through entrepreneurship, you can find massive purpose and you can actually love your work. I thought that was just like, oh, it's just something people say to make themselves feel better about <laughs> what they're doing wasting their, their days away. Yeah. I love that. I, we, I think we all have a similar, uh, let's just say a uh, villain arc. Um, that's cool. Uh, so I think typically how we format this is we'll, we'll chat about like what we're up to this week in terms of like work wise. And then, uh, we'll probably dive a bit more into what you're up to, Matt. Um, probably the businesses you're involved in, you know, how you delegate everything. I think I'm personally very interested in that. Um, your YouTube growth, it's been astronomical recently, pretty insane. I want to, uh, get some pointers from you as, uh, and I think an, someone commented and asked me to ask you about topical authority as well as eat, um, hmm. this week. So nothing you've never, you haven't covered before, but I think it's just like a, more of a deep dive. It'll be more fun that way. No. So, so for YouTube retention, yeah. you're supposed to say, these are topics that you've never covered in this level of detail. <laughs> <laughs> we messed up already. We messed up already. Dude, retake it. Retake it. Yeah, we got to do another take here for sure. Um, yeah, well, yeah, Matt, why, why don't you start us off? What, do you, what have you been up to this week? Uh, this week, so, I mean, it's just it's just Tuesday. No, it's Wednesday morning. I don't know what today is. Um, but I don't know. Like, so this week I got to manage all the businesses that I'm working on. There's a lot of stuff we're doing at Lead Spring, the portfolio company. But other than that, we just released speaker the speaker lineup for Chiang Mai CEO 2023. So uh, yeah, I saw that. That's that's always exciting. And um, yeah, I don't. Know. That's so far, so far, so good. Just staying busy. Solid, solid. What about you, James? Not too much different than the other weeks this week. It's, it's pretty much the same stuff. All the content. Probably going to film a bunch more YouTube videos this week. Other than that, all the same stuff. Posting Twitter, YouTube Shorts, clips, podcast. Uh, writing more content and that's pretty much the go this week. Nice. Solid. Solid. I think on my side, I'm really trying to scale up, uh, the, uh, ads paid ad side for the newsletter growth. 
been just doing the pay to pay to win uh, type of thing right now. Uh, organics taking a bit too long. Um, Twitter audience is great and all love you guys, but it's just, it's just not as quick as just paying for it, you know? Um, but CPA has gone up for me this week significantly. And I couldn't figure out why. I think we're sat at about $5 Canadian, which is, I guess, like $3.5 US for in like a English speaking country. But uh, yeah, really struggling to scale that up to like three to 500 bucks a day, um, like with a low CPA. I'm not sure if you've uh, dove into paid ads at, at all, Matt, but I'm guessing you have that delegated. I mean, we do it too. So uh, like for the course and just like, I guess you're doing email list with some kind of lead magnet, mm -hmm. right? What's, yeah. what's your, what's your freebie? There's no, no freebie. Just like, Hey, sign up to the marketing newsletter that like keeps you up to date. Similar I, to like morning brew. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's doing your CPA is pretty good considering like, it's just like join, join something else that's going to be in your inbox that you have to sort through. Um, mm -hmm. you're not even giving anything, giving anything away. And I think that's like pretty good CPA. Um, you, you might just be increasing just because you've been running ads and then you're starting to get repetition and you're starting to saturate, but I think that's pretty good, man. But like, yeah, I, I would, I would try a lead magnet. Hmm. Or thread boy. Yeah, good. Thread boy on tw Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah hey Matt, how come Why you're not you? on Twitter, man? Or you're not as active. got to choose your battles, dude. So like, I'm. I guess I'm semi-active on Facebook. I got a couple of Facebook groups and mm -hmm. YouTube, as you know, is, is a grind, man. So like, I can't be on all of them. And then like, I just kind of think Twitter's a little bit toxic in general. Instagram, like, I just don't like taking pictures of myself. Uh, TikTok is uh, arguably bad for the humankind in general, <laughs> so I don't want to contribute to it. So it's just, uh, that's what's up. But I don't know, like, you seem to like Twitter. What, what do you... What do you like about it? Yeah, I think it uh, enables me to meet people that like have share similar interests. Um, I mean, I agree it's definitely toxic, but that's what the block button is for, man. Uh, <laughs> you just block hella people. Um, it's like a beautifully curated, like toxic list right now I have. Um, <laughs> nice. so highly recommend that. Uh, yeah, besides that, yeah, really trying to look into how, how you're growing so quickly on YouTube. Because you mentioned you're focusing on that, right? And you've really dialed it in. Your editing skills have been uh, superb lately. How many editors do you have now? Yeah, okay. So, like, it was January 2021 is when I doubled down on it. I was just like, I'm going to produce one video a week. That's, that's what's up. Why did I decide to, to get into YouTube? Is Because I had this gut feel that, like, well, I'm looking at statistics on the blog, too. Like, I, I can release a blog post case study or something like that. And I can see that over time, like the eyeballs per case study and the amount of traffic is starting to dwindle. And that's despite my email email list growing. I send a, a blog post out or a case study out to that same list, but less people are opening over time. So where are these eyeballs going? It's probably YouTube. So ran an experiment and I saw that, okay, the same thing. It's a case study from my agency, The Search Initiative. We'll, we'll detail everything we did for a client. We'll, we'll give everything away, all of our tactics. We'll put it up in a blog post, 5,000, 10,000 eyeballs on it. That same thing, we're going to make that into a video version. And then you're getting twice as many views, 20,000. So 25,000, something like that. And the amount of leads that come from here is 3X because of how, like, there, there's way more of a connection. I'm, I'm having a conversation with people. They're getting, they're getting to know me. 
So I was just like, okay, let's double down on this and see what happens. So uh, I just started doing one video per week. And the editor that I have is actually, he was a designer. He's like a guy who uploads on, on my website. And I was just like, can you, can you do video editing? He's like, yeah, I do a little bit on the side. And we just leveled up together. Like it's just one editor and he's just leveled up with me. And so we're always just geeking out on it. We send like videos that we admire and he's, he's doing new stuff without me asking. And yeah, he's, he's just getting really good. So, um, yeah, like one other growth lever that I found is, um, get a consultation from a guy named Roberto Blake. So Roberto Blake is like, a he's in the YouTube help space. Um, and I think he's got like something like 400, 500,000 subs or something like that. So, um, my, my buddy, Nick Nimmin, Nick, Nick also lives in Chiang Mai. He's got like 800,000 subs. Yeah. Introduce you to him if you want to meet him. He's like, I don't do consultations anymore, but my friend Roberto does. So I, I booked a consultation with Roberto. It was affordable and considering the value and is definitely one of the best consultations I've ever done in my life. It probably saved me a year in, in uh, trial and error on YouTube. Mm. It was really good. Oh, amazing. Can you hi highlight like what was covered in that consultation? You know, just drop some knowledge bombs on our audience, man. Uh, like did he did he focus on did you focus on let's just say the production value um like these the hooks that you you mentioned earlier in the beginning of the video like stuff like that like little hacks like that or is it like a standardized this is what you have to do for every single video yeah so he he said my my videos themselves were pretty good uh like the the biggest thing that could have changed there was the titles and thumbs so like it's clickbait is everything like you, you mm. need to deliver on what's promised in the title and the thumb. Like you need to be true to that. You can't just say like Google, just, uh, Google just annihilated all new publishers or something like that. Like you, you have to be able to like say something that you can back up and, and say it's true. Um, but I was kind of weak in that area. And I think what that stemmed from is like, I'm an SEO guy and I was always just going for, let's make a piece of content on like best rank tracker Let's make a piece of content on someone, something that someone's going to search for high ticket, affiliate marketing, whatever that can give me long-term traffic over time. Because that's how we think. We think it's like, okay, if I just have uh, 50 of these videos or a hundred videos that are getting a little bit of search traffic every day, then I'm getting, that's how it starts to snowball. But it's actually not like that. The, the YouTube algorithm, the recommendation engine, that's what it's all about. And yeah, that's you need to get people to click on the videos. You need to get people to re retained on the videos. So like, if, I don't know, I haven't really looked at this, but I'd be willing to guess that like subscribers and growth that's in views that's come from search is probably 20% of the, the growth that's come from uh, the recommendation engine. Wow. And you don't, with the recommendation engine, you don't, you don't, um, you don't optimize for keywords, you optimize for clicks. So that, yeah. that was a big part of it. Um, yeah, another, I saw your um, chat GPT one go nuts, right? It was like 500k yeah. views or something like that. Do, do, yeah, dude. How many subs did you get from that? That was crazy. Good for you. Uh, 12,000, I think. So yeah, that was a big Let's one. Let's go. Let's go. So, nice. Another YouTuber that I really respect is Stanley Loop. He also lives in Chiang Mai. He's a French guy. And so like, you might have seen him because his, his channel's in French, but he just started an English channel. So he only makes oh, he a video it. like once per month but he shoots for the fences every time he shoots for a home run. And so he's got videos in the million subs or whatever. And he's always been like, dude, 
just go, just go try to make them like masterpieces. Like just go a little bit slower. You don't have to release every week, like, and just hit a home run. And this is my first taste of like a 500 K view video. And he's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, that was like, if I have 90 K subs right now, and that was just 10 K right there, then it's literally like <laughs> the value of like, um, 15 videos on average. Yeah. yeah. So that's another like breakthrough I'm going through. What's your take on, um, doing YouTube. So people will have their niche sites and they'll do YouTube just to have almost like another traffic source, not as a YouTuber, would you still advise mm -hmm. doing something like that? Almost like turning your articles into YouTube videos, just so it's almost like repurposed content. Yeah. So we got a, a win-win situation set up for like one of our health sites. So like when health, you're reviewing supplements and stuff like that. So we got a team on the ground where we'll get samples from like the, the supplement companies and we'll send samples over to our, our reviewers. And so then they will take, take the supplements and test them out and stuff like that, make a video. So it's like an, an ecosystem. So mm. the, the YouTube, the YouTube part of the business is making money by itself. Like I mentioned before, like I'm, I'm the, the leads and the connection that's made through the person is actually really helpful for uh, conversion. Mm -hmm. So the YouTube channel makes money by itself. We take that video, we embed it into the contents, the content gets enriched. I don't think that EAT is a thing, but like, if there's ever a way to see, like, do these people really own these products? Well, there's very hardcore evidence. Like we have mm -hmm. our reviewers wear our company logo too. So it's kind of, it's, it's a win-win. It's like all profitable too. And then another thing I think of is like, when we sell this business, it's not just a content site anymore. It's a full media business. It's yeah. multimedia. It's got video. It's got multiple traffic sources, multiple uh, revenue sources too. So it's, it's uh, we're probably going to get a high multiple on the exit. Yeah. That, that's an awesome segue too, to your eight question, Jackie. Yeah. You, you mentioned you, you, you didn't believe in eat or what's the, what's the vibe on that? <laughs> I don't, I don't believe in eat in the sense that most people who read the quality rater guidelines at face value believe in eat. So EAT well, now it's EEAT. <laughs> it comes up in the quality rater guidelines, which is a document they give people that are rating the quality of the search results. So Google makes an algorithmic change and they're worried that the search results are batshit crazy. So they give this, uh, this team of quality raters, this guideline document to help them figure out whether the websites in these places are good or not. So there's this thing called EEAT that comes up 126 times. E stands for experience. Well, the first E stands for experience. If someone has experience with whatever they're talking about, expertise, are they actually good at it? Authoritativeness, are they known for it? And then if all these things come together, then that's the equation for trust and whether or not a piece of content should be good. So a lot of people interpret this as like, I need, if I have a health website, doctors have to write my content. If I have a finance website, it needs to be a CPA or someone with a master's degree in, in finance or something like that. But think about it like this, right? Like how would the algorithm be able to verify this stuff? If I, if I wrote that this author went to Berkeley and studied finance, is it really gonna go and hack the Berkeley uh, faculty in the student database to, to see did this person actually go to Berkeley and then check its GPA? Are they actually good enough to talk about this stuff? Like there's no way it has the resources to do that. And even if it did have the resources, let's say two pieces of content are equal in terms of their quality. One's written by the guy that went to Berkeley. One's written by a guy that went to Brown. How can Google possibly put itself in a situation to say which school is better? 
right? So it's, it's not going to do all that stuff. What I do think the algorithm does is, is two things. One, the algorithm can check for a complete lack of effort to satisfy these signals. This person doesn't even have an about page. It has an about page, but there's no humans on it or there's no way to contact the owners. Like if I'm making a review about a, a supplement and that supplement hurts people, I should be held accountable. And so there should be a way for the people to contact me and say, hey, your content's not good. You need to think about revising it. So like these kind of things, the algorithm can check for. And I think it just has a bare minimum check. Does the content page exist? Are there people on the about page? Is there schema on the people uh, on the about page referencing the person or the author and stuff like that? I think it's going to do a baseline check. But what I think EAT really is, and you can see Google actually being quoted saying EAT is, quote, largely based on links. So that's the way that they figure out whether content is has expertise, authority, and trust is if someone is linking to it and saying, by, by the mere merit of the link, it's establishing this EAT stuff. Yeah, so, but I thought backlinks were dead, man. Yeah, of course <laughs> What's they're up dead. with that? Of course they're dead. They're just baked into Google's algorithm, and the reason Google is Google is because they believed in backlinks. Of course they figure out a way to remove that. No, no. <laughs> how, do you, uh, how do you then – oh, sorry, Jack. I just want to jump in a bit. With the idea that experience, expertise, okay, that would lead to you need some kind of authorship on the site. And I know I think it was authority, Gail Britton at Authority Hacker did that little case study showing, you know, authorship doesn't really make a difference. But I guess maybe with the experience rolling around, maybe having someone on the site is probably more beneficial. But for example, if someone has a site, so I've got a, a site in a random niche that I don't want my name and face on, so I just made someone up. How would you end up creating a persona then that is seen as trustworthy, et cetera, et cetera, for that site? Are there some minimal minimum things you're looking to do? Yeah, I mean, so bear in mind, as much as I'm ridiculing this, I still do it myself, right? So I prepare for what the algorithm is gonna be doing five or 10 years from now. Because the Google's algorithm works backwards too. Like when Google finds out that a certain link type is no longer good, it's not like, okay, we just figured it out today. So if anyone builds this link going forward, we're gonna hit them. No, they, they work backwards too. So I also, do this stuff um, as well. Like I'll get my writers on on my about pages. I'll mm -hmm. get friends that are like fitness trainers on the about pages and stuff like that. Um, but in terms of like like a fake persona and stuff like that, like mm -hmm. we'll fill the gaps with those sometimes too. But eventually, we'll phase them out with real people okay. when it gets to a certain point. And you can call it a fake persona. You can also call it a pen name. Like yeah, uh, like myself right I, I don't want my name smeared all over the internet for all the uh websites that i'm a part of and it causes a footprint as well like people it, it is a right to have an anonymity in the world <laughs> right <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. gotcha is there a way to are, are you at essentially like a, ne a negative for doing something like that having a pen name that maybe doesn't have a footprint on the internet having a website I do, I do, I do it for sure. Okay. Okay. No, that's all good. Jackie, your turn. No, I totally forgot about what I was talking about, but, um, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but yeah, let, let's, let's talk about your business. I'm, I'm, I'm most interested about that. Um, what kind of, what sorts of businesses are you like into right now? I know you have an agency, you have a course, you have, uh, yeah, a couple agencies, I believe. Um, 
course, and I'm sure you have like a nice little portfolio of sites. Is that correct? And also, yeah. I think you also have like, do you have, is, is it you who has a, like a cannabis, cannabis business in Thailand? Mm. How's yeah, that going? Yeah. Love Man. that industry. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. So like, all right. Yeah. So let's, let's just start with the angel investment because that's where we ended up. So I do some angel investment as well. And I like okay. to invest in businesses that like I can have some kind of impact on, on where they go. So the, one of the first ones was Surfer SEO. And yeah, I mean, the, the growth has been tremendous because they offer a great product. But more recently, I invested in a company here in Thailand called Bloom. And so they're e-commerce business selling cannabis. And so like, okay, e-commerce selling business, then we can get the SEO traffic. And so like when we started working with them, I wasn't doing the SEO directly, but I'm like guiding and directing. And I swear for like five months, the traffic was freaking flat. We were like, for the keyword like Thailand CBD, we're on like page five. And it was just getting embarrassing at this point. And <laughs> I just like ashamed about it. <laughs> just absolutely ashamed. Then all of a sudden a core update hit and it just fucking went number one for everything. And then the week after that, Thailand legalized marijuana and cannabis. So it was just like, oh my God, oh. thank God. Everything just hit right at the right point. So like, yeah, what I see for me going forward in the future, like eventually I'm gonna burn out like with this, Whole SEO stuff, uh, but I can still play, be part of the game with investment. So I, I plan to scale that up. But you mean in, uh, angel investments? Yeah, angel and just investing in general. I think angel is the way to make myself feel still feel relevant to some degree. Um, and so, like, I, I definitely don't want to make like any significant part more portfolio angel investing. We know it's a, it's a numbers game. It's fastest way to <laughs> make billionaires become millionaires and stuff. stuff so. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I think the angel investment is pretty, pretty fun and interesting. Done a couple myself, um, but yeah. Like, what are you seeing? Because Surfer SEO probably a, a great investment. When did you invest, or can you speak on that? I want to say twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. Okay, that's a that's a easy, easy money hack that you got into. I love that. Um, I'm I'm a huge I'm a subscriber of uh, Surfer SEO. Um, on a huge subscription right now. Love them. And uh, always, yeah, hyped about them. But yeah, what about Bloom? You got in before legalization? That's a bit of a gamble, no? Yeah, well, I mean, CBD was still available. And oh, okay, I, right. I just watched, you know, like in the United States when CBD and, and all that stuff became legal, like you didn't even have to be the number one company. You could be the number 50th company, you're gonna make money. So I just thought like it was a no lose um, as we ride this wave. Nice, yeah. That's a, uh, I mean, scared money don't make no money. So that's good. Um, <laughs> nice. And what about your, yeah. What about your agencies? How's that going? Like what kind of a uh, playbook are you following here? Cause I know, um, you mentioned you're funneling leads from, is, is it, was it YouTube? Cause I, I've watched a couple of your recent, uh, videos and you do, you do mention them. So, mm. And is that where you get most of your clients from? Do you have like a hard sales team that goes out and grabs leads? Um, cause that's what I'm looking into right now. And yo, it's working pretty well. You gotta, if you're not on that, get on that. It's uh, pretty crazy. Nice. I mean, in all the, in all the service-based businesses and even the affiliate lab, like uh, everything I've done is inbound. I've tried a little outbound, like outbound sales and just haven't had the success. I mean, it's successful, but like, where's the ROI? I can have people spend eight, eight hours a day on inbound, or I can split that up 50, 50. They're going to convert more sales if they just focus over here. But 
Um, the way this type of business works is so like Diggity Marketing is like the content marketing brand. I have the website. I have uh, the YouTube channel. I'm coming on podcasts and stuff like that. And this is all, all fueled by my overall goal of wanting to teach people how to be entrepreneurs. So the only method that I know, which is SEO. I'm still scarred from that engineering past. And then I, I'm a big stand for, for freedom. Like this tattoo here means may all beings be happy and free. Like this is a big part of what I do here and why I'm making content and stuff like that. Cause I, I want to somehow change lives. So the upside for me on that is get, getting leads into the course, the affiliate lab, the agency, the search initiative, and then the conference Chiang my SEO conference. And so we basically just, it's all, it's all inbound. Like we're, we're, we do retargeting ads. We do, uh, like ads in general, but we're not, we don't have like a sales team out hustling, but yeah, that's, that's just the way I look at that part of the business. Then there's a whole other complete different business called LeadSpring, and that's the portfolio company. So it's, it's doing exactly what, what you do, Jackie, you know, like building websites eventually for flip. Um, uh, but we also do JVs as well. So, these kind of JVs is we like to partner with like brick and mortar businesses, businesses with a high upside, um, like law firms or real estate agencies. And we'll take a part of the business, maybe 20, 25%, maybe more in exchange for us taking over the marketing. And the idea is that like, without us, you could have, you could have stayed here with us. We're going to get to here. So give us some of the equity and then we'll just grow together. So I like to mix it up. I think that the content portfolio is great because you get those big flips and that's super exciting and it's really scalable. The JV part of thing is like you're playing in a field where you don't have to worry about like EAT. These are like real lawyers. These are real you know, doctors and people, real estate agencies. And so they're going to do traditional marketing as well. And so you, you're, you're like funding a real business. It's like having an SEO client, but it's you too, because you, you have equity in the business. What I find, um, it's a good fit for the portfolio company because the culture of the portfolio company with affiliate sites and content sites is all built on excellence. So we have no budget. We're going to pour as much as we can because we know we're going to get it back. If we had this same type of culture working on a client with a fixed budget, we're just going to do just enough to where we can make some money ourselves. Make some money here. It, it would yeah. mess up the culture, right? So we go 100% here. We go 100% here. But that cool. said, the... My, the, my agency, the search initiative, it's set up for prolonged growth and, uh, you know, like a, a mutual win-win for both sides of the party. Um, whereas LeadSpring is set up for rapid growth and a little bit more risk-taking, but uh, just, uh, like 100% more resources and a lot more expensive because we spend all of it, you know. Yeah, got it, got it. So... Search initiative is like a flat retainer typically, and then leads bring JV plus like portfolio. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the JV part. Cause I'm pretty interested in that. I had a deal last year that went extremely well. Um, you mentioned lawyers. In my case, it was a construction company based in Miami. Um, ranked them within like two days in like their top searches, easiest niches ever. I think if, if there's any young and budding SEOs out there, partner with a local company. They are severely lacking and they have, uh, do not have the savviness we do. You can, uh, just like flip the switch and turn on like the floodgates of their leads right away. Um, yeah. but I'm, I'm finding it now because we're at a one, like we're split, you know, ownership. 
how do you split the costs with them? Um, because for example, I, I pitched them, everything worked well. My HREFs like organic keywords is currently sat at 10 K. It went from like 200 to 10 K in like a matter of three months, but now I'm sat there. I'm like, you know, I, I got a piece of this, uh, multi-million dollar company. They do 5 million a year in revenue. Do I pour more budget into it? I have not seen, I've not realized any gains, you know what I mean? So I, maybe I own 10, 15% of this company, but how do you split the cost or is it split equally or is it split based off of equity? You know what I mean? I uh, suppose you could do it any way you like, but like I've typically done it where all the SEO costs are mine and all of the construction costs, the legal fees, the uh, booking the offense for the real estate agency, that's all theirs. So we just kept it separate. Um, I'm assuming you could, you could mix it all together, but like, do I want to mix my performance with like the hiring issues that the construction company is having? I probably want to keep that separate. Yeah. That's, that's a good shout. That's a good shout. That's interesting. If they take your expenses, then you're taking on theirs as well. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, nice. Yeah. I think that's, that's a interesting tactic that not many people are actually doing in our industry in the affiliate industry, yeah. at least. Um, but I think definitely more people should be doing that. And what about your portfolio sites? Uh, I think I've, you, you floated one of the sites to me with your P and L and I, oh man, that, that was a good site. Was that sold now? I don't know which one it was. Uh, <laughs> uh, if, I, if, if I showed it to you, then it's probably sold. Yeah. Like any uh, paranoid affiliate SEO, I like to keep things close to my chest. Nice one. Nice one. Um, and you're Did you ever sell your portfolio with the custom rate. Nope. Um, still have the custom rate card. Uh, a lot of the sites got hit in the update, so I'm just holding on to it. It's fine. Yeah. It's still, still a win for me because it's a, yeah. Cause what about you? Didn't you buy, end up buying a custom rate card as well? Uh, no. Um, I did meet with some guys that just got a hold of one and like they, they just saw the same vision as you. It's like a pretty hard to lose if you have that. Mm -hmm. And so the, I was helping them scale up. Nice. And how's that going for them? Cause it's like, uh, you buy and you win and anytime you buy something, you win, right? Yeah. I think they're a bit picky. Um, I know you're like really quick. Like you can look at a site and just like, I want it in an hour. Right. I think yeah. they've been a little bit picky. So it's been a little bit slower, but they also don't have the experience that you have is like, it's just, it's hard to lose, right? They don't have that track. Are they yet. like a traditional fund? Why, why do they move, uh, slower? I don't know. I'll, I'll ask them after this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. Um, I think it's, it's important for at least, uh, for me to figure out like payback periods. That's like the most, that's like the main metric I actually go for because, mm -hmm. um, a lot of the times, you know, these high, high risk affiliate sites that are made by people who probably just want a quick in and out. They're not built well and they probably won't last a couple updates. So I typically try to buy sites at the one year, um, payback period. And mm -hmm. so when I mentioned that I got slapped with updates, I've, I'm already in the green, so I don't even care. Like these can go to zero and I'm still in the green. Um, so nice. that's why I formatted this way. I, go out and grab deals as quick as possible, close on them. But yeah, with the current RPMs, not, not a fan. Um, hmm. let's, let's see what happens, man. 
Uh, Were you mostly buying display ad monetized sites or affiliate? Or, or no, uh, mostly affiliate for the longest time. Um, just dabble, start dabbling in the um, display ads, but not a fan. I think I prefer affiliate. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the revenue per visitor, overall visitors, just you can like a well monetized uh, affiliate sites. You can you can get like a hundred dollars per thousand visitors, something like that. You're yeah. looking at I don't know thirty now for. Yeah. Display ads? Mm. Lower for me, man. Um, I think I was getting 40 during Black Friday for my mm -hmm. architecture site. And now I am at like 15 to 18. Mm. Pretty savage, man. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's all right. Group therapy session right now. Um, <laughs> That's all this yeah. podcast is for, uh, isn't it? Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about the agency. I think uh, you have a good thing going on. Do, do, you do you know or do you follow like the Neil Patel playbook at all? That guy's like a marketing genius. Yeah. So he gets I, a lot of slack though. Ironically, <laughs> I just listened to an interview from him on Gotcha's channel this morning on my, my bike ride. Yeah. It's just different, dude. It's just completely different. Like, I think it's the play there is you, you make this persona that is going to attract people in that is going to allow you to command higher prices. And then now, as long as you get the higher prices, then everything in agency is scalable and affordable. The problem is, I guess, when you're at my level with the agency is like, it's, it's not you have to you have to think about cost all the time, you have to think about scaling and you don't over hire because you're not getting $100,000 contracts. I, I wish I had that problem. You know? Oh, interesting. Uh, what kind of retainers do you guys charge, you know, for the audience in case they want to hire uh, agency? <laughs> yeah. We start at, um, like, I think it's 3,500 USD. Okay. Okay. Um, nice. You guys should probably raise your prices, man. Um, I, I, I personally start at 5k. I know, uh, Neil Patel digital, they start at 10k now. Pretty mm. crazy, Ooh, man. Pretty crazy. Shit. And most of their staff are offshore as well. So their margins are juicy as hell. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think pretty interesting to follow along what Neil Patel is doing. They were on my first million. That's why I like really dug into his numbers. Yeah. And wow. Uh, I think what didn't he do like nine figures a year in his agency side? That's wild, yeah. man. Uh, I don't know how I, I'm pretty sure he has like a crazy like outbound sales team, though, like just straight yeah. killers is uh, yeah. going out there and grabbing setting appointments and all that. Uh, that's what I'm diving into right now. But is that even something you want to focus on? You know, the mm. agency side? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure. Mm, I think right now, like, so I'm, I'm 44. I just turned 44 two days ago. So oh, yeah. Happy birthday. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, happy birthday. Thanks. Uh, so I'm just thinking about like, you know, I, I need to choose projects right now that I'll have the energy to do when I'm 46, 47. And the agency's agency's great and like getting customer successes is like really good like dopamine hit makes me feel good and all that kind of stuff but like it's 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 kind of hard it's hard to scale it um just because the 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 customer aspect and the hand holding and all that kind of stuff is it's important it knows i know it needs to be part of it but it, you can't grow an agency as fast as a, a single content website mm. right um so i have to think about things like that I don't know. I don't really know what's going to be the last dance, but um, I'm looking right now. I got. I felt like um, in 2022 is is a big time of like let's just relax in 2022. Let's not add anything new. 
And then I started going to some conferences at the end of the year. Like I went to DCBKK in affiliate world. And then I'm like, all right, I'm going to turn it up in 2023. <laughs> so I just need to figure out what that thing is. One thing First. we do need to know though, Matt, is what SEO tool do you use? SEO tools? Uh, I like Ahrefs and Surfer. Those would be my bread and butter. But then there's all these, like, these little spot tools all over the place. That That's our perfect segue, Jackie. We need to plug Ahrefs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're our sponsor this episode. Um, <laughs> totally forgot about that. I was so much into it. So, sorry, Ahrefs. Uh, dude, don't worry. We're going to plug you. No, don't really worry. Good. I got it. Um, I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ahrefs, definitely. How, how do you use it? You use Ahrefs, Matt. Because I met, I saw on your recent video that you even mentioned their site audit tour, tool. I don't even mm -hmm. use that. I only use it for competitive good. research. How, how what, is it? What do you use for site audits? uh screaming frog i also use se ranking because that's just like yeah. i use se ranking for everything client side that's what uh, and then ahrefs okay. like fun seo project side you know yeah <laughs> i feel like uh screaming frogs uh site audit capabilities are like ahrefs but without a gui without a ux so like mm. ahrefs like will organize like here's 10 things you need to look at and this one's red so it's high priority and stuff like that does the same thing i mean a crawler is a crawler um, mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah, I like it. But are, are you friends with like the Ahrefs team? Aren't they? They're 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 in Singapore. Sorry, um, but yeah, have you met up with anyone from Ahrefs before? Yeah, yeah, I get along with Tim pretty good. Um, whenever I'm in Singapore, I visit him. He comes to my conference. He's he's DJed at my conference. You know, he's a <laughs> an ex drum and bass DJ of all genres too. What um, drum and bass? And James like that's our national music. Yeah, man. <laughs> for sure. In New Zealand, drum and bass is massive. <laughs> is it? I didn't know that. Yeah, man. We've got a lot of big drum and bass, international drum and bass artists. It's basically yeah. the sound of summer in New Zealand is drum and bass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, since we got to pay the bills, guys, go download or go su subscribe to Ahrefs. Um, their, their plans are pricier, but they're number one in the market. Don't settle for number two. Um, anyways, you know, back to the topic. Uh, your, your agency size, so you're not quite sure. You just turned 20, 40, 44, but you look 24, which is, you you look younger than me. How is that even possible? I thought Asians are supposed to be, are like supposed to look younger. You didn't watch you, you look, Matt's health video he I did? I am Asian. <laughs> oh, you're, you're, you're half, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm on the inside, I'm very old. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> you got to share, you got to start a skincare site, man. Um, scare your, uh, share your skincare routine and all that. No. Um, <laughs> so you, you're going to start picking and choosing your battles. I feel like, um, that's something I'm starting to look into as well. Cause there's so many opportunities, right? Especially mm -hmm. in your position, there's so many opportunities thrown your way every day. Like, how are you deciding? And on that note, like, are you, How's delegation on your side? Do you have like a couple right hands in your team that you just kind of like, Hey, you'll go figure this out and we'll sort it out later. Or like, we'll figure out the split later or what's the setup right now for you? I mean, yeah, like I, I don't think I'd be able to manage like all these businesses and take on these new projects if I didn't delegate correctly. And the way I like to do it is delegate responsibility. So it's, it's not like, um, I want you to go hire five, four writers and then create a process and then get these writers up to speed and then do all this stuff. Like I just say, we're going to, we want to produce a million words per month. You make it happen. So when you, when you delegate like that, someone feels like, okay, this guy trusts me in order to, to, to figure out how to do this for myself. 
I create this process, so I have responsibility for it. I'm going to take pride in it. And they actually enjoyed their job a lot better. But the thing is, all that is bullshit unless you hire A players. If you put a B player or a C player and give them responsibility, they're not going to get a good, good job. And not only that, like if you have a, a, a B player or C player anywhere towards the high rungs of your company, you just destroyed the whole department because a B player will never hire an A player because a B player is worried that the A player is going to make them look bad. Mm -hmm. So you get a B player at the top and you got B's and C's all below and that just kiss that department goodbye. It'll just never do good. So it's all about like, you know, like I, I, I like to think I'm getting better at hiring, but I think the, the real way to do it is just to like, who have I worked with before? Who's showing promise and like, and building them up and then giving them more, more responsibility, stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's how I go about delegation and, there's a few good books. I would say um, one good book is Who the A Method for Hiring. That's going to show you how to find A players. Hmm. And then in terms of like um, learning how to delegate, I would say skip a book and go to Mad Singer's management training. Like that guy's saved me, saved my ass. One of the oh, yeah. best. Are, are you going to be in Vietnam for his uh, conference, by the way? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. We should, I should definitely get, get him on the pod as well. He's got some uh, good talks out there. Um, yeah, but what about finding, you mentioned finding these A players. You've been finding people that you've worked with in the past or like through like a referral. And what happens when things go south? Do you cut early? Are you like, hey, this isn't working out. Um, let's just go our separate ways and just sort that out. Or like what happens when you hire a B player? You know, because that's going to happen. I, I've done that, you know. You, you, that happens all the time. What happens when you hire like incorrectly? Let's just say. I would say I probably I let him go at like a medium clip. Like I wouldn't say it's early. I wouldn't say it's late. It's, it's about the right time. I guess I kind of give people a chance to, to turn things around maybe, maybe longer than I should. But yeah, I mean, where I get people from is usually like a promote from within is like my preferred route or like I will source candidates from my course or my email list because they know the vision, they know what I'm working on, they know like the the strategy and all that stuff. So I'll source from there. And then these days, like I I used to be like, okay, I'll hire hire fixer up fixer uppers, really hungry people, and then I'll train them the way and stuff like that. Like I think now it's just about like, have they done this before? Have they done this before? Do their references have good things to say about them? And and are they fired up on top of that? I think like that's the difference now that I've, I've kind of recently uh, switched into. Like right now, I'm hiring a VP of operations to manage the dignity marketing side of things, mm -hmm. and right now it's, it's experience or nothing. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. And um, hiring within is a good idea, I think personally, especially yeah, it gives other people hope as well that um, they have like a chance to rise in the ranks. Um, Speaking on your course, I'm personally curious, like, how, how is that doing? Because you, you, I think you mentioned in a comment on a group once that that's not something you guys typically focus on, right? That's like more of a spreading ed education out there. It's, is that like a philanthropy type of thing? Or like, mm -hmm. like a paid philanthropy? Or what, what is it? Like, how do you see it? Mm, I mean, so I, like, all these side businesses, like, in 20. 2018, I was just kind of like, I got this audience at the point in time I had like a link building service and I was just like, let's, let's fill all the other gaps. Let's make a course. Let's make a, 
uh, an agency. And so like my, my lead machine will have full efficiency and stuff like that. So it would be, it would be a miss to say that I only did this just for philanthropy and helps spread knowledge and stuff like that. I, if that were the case, I wouldn't put a price tag on it. Hmm. Um, but I would say in the grand scheme, the course is like a very, very small amount of the overall income. Um, I still give it a hundred percent. So like since the, the day of inception, I told everyone that I will always release new content. If anything gets outdated, I will replace the video with what's actually working now. And I've kept up to that word forever. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not like a big revenue source, but it's part of my personal mission. So I, I treat it as if it's like one of the biggest things that it's, it's uh, biggest revenue sources. Yeah. Why, why don't, um, why isn't it a focus of yours? I mean, you see what authority hackers have done with their course. They're doing a superb job. Um, why, why don't you just like turn on the ads, you know, and just start driving revenue? Cause it's a 100% margin right now at, at the moment. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, well, so we do have ads. We do have, we do have a funnel and stuff like that. And ironically, um, so, Again, going back to like the conferences I went into the uh, the end of 2022, I ran into a, a guy who does course optimization. So they're doing an audit right now. And and yeah, but it's just like, there's a lot of shit to do. <laughs> as, as you know, yeah. Jackie and James, like there's a lot of opportunity around and um, just like, where do you have time to focus on everything? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that hits home. <laughs> That's home. There's always shit done to do. Actually, what the... To jump, I know we topical authority is one of the, one of the things we wanted to touch on as well. But I have a question that I haven't been able to get a solid answer to around that, kind of around that. So take the idea of this: to stay in supplements, you do best protein powder, and you write your your pillar buyers guide, and in it has all the long tails: your best protein powder, best protein powder for men, best protein powder for weight loss, blah blah blah, and you rank for best protein powder on the first page, but you also rank for the long tails on the first page. Google's showing those long tails on those long tail pages, best protein powder articles from other sites, plus a couple of maybe best protein powder for men or long tails on there. Would you then also write separate articles for best protein powder for X, Y, Z, even though you're already ranking for those keywords with that main page? Yeah, so like most people say and I agree, like 99% of the time is you look and see what's happening on Google. So if you're seeing that, if you're Googling each of these keywords, best protein powder, and you see a website that has one page ranking, let's say abc.com has, has a page ranking, then you Google best protein powder for men, and you see that abc.com has a different article ranking, right? So then you would assume that Google wants, these are different search intents, Google wants two different articles. But you see this disproved a lot too, when yeah. when there's literal evidence, I'm I have one article I'm making for both of them. So I don't like even though search intent does seem to be defined most of the time. There's exceptions, and that could just be because your article has more authority. So it's like breaking these rules. Like authority always comes into play, whether that be topical authority or link link authority. If you have more of either of these types of authority, you don't have to have as much as the other signals. So in, in your example, I would just you know, just keep it how it is. Like. The only, yeah. when you're number one for everything, there's only one way to go and that's down. Mm. If, if you're, if you weren't number one for the long tails, so you were further down page one, would you still write those long tails, even though you may cannibalize your main best protein powder? 
Uh, so what I think, like what usually happens if there's truly a search intent problem and they should be two different pages, you'll have your main keyword on page one, but like the secondary ones will be on page two, three, or four. Okay. If, if they're both, if they're all on page one, I think that's like, you just need to optimize a little bit better. You need to write the word command and chocolate or whatever the long tail part of that is into there. Nice. Jackie, you have more stuff on, on topical authority without building links, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that was a audience question. I sent out like a comment about like having you on and people wanted to talk about like topical authority without building, without link building. I mean, I, I personally see that, but, um, that's more on the AI side. So that's, I've personally found it to be very, very easy nowadays to build topical authority. If you utilize AI, cause you just out of sheer volume, you know what I mean? Cause, uh, in your video, you pretty much, I think you use the you use the topic of affiliate, like you covered everything under the sun on affiliate, and then you gain topical authority on that. But like with AI, you're able to achieve that much quicker, right? Um, like, is is that still the case? Do you, do you believe like without links, this can't happen? Or do you think you have this topical authority in affiliate because diggity marketing already has such great, like, like a great backlink profile? Yeah, that's a good question. So like, like it's all these ranking factors work together, right? Like if uh healthline wanted to become a topical authority for apples, it needs to write less articles than someone like me or you would on apples in order to start ranking for those keywords. So I've got to look at these things kind of separately, but you're right. Like for people like us who don't have the luxury of like a super crazy, like link authority, we can leverage tools, uh, and like AI content is the best one for it to generate all this content that we need to write. So instead of like, how, what's the exact point where I need to compete with all these other sites? We just say, we'll just overshoot it. We just write all of them, all of them, period, because it's, it's just a minimal amount of work more because it's AI. You know, I think yeah. that's a decent strategy. It's, a, it's an interesting like place we're at with AI right now. It's like a resurgence of black hat SEO. Whereas yeah, before, I love like, it, man. It, I mean, the, the recent, like, I mean, if you just asked like a year ago, like, has Black Hat SEO worked? I mean, sure, that link cloaking works and like spam tools work and um, like uh, redirections, all this kind of stuff works, but it's not like, it's not like the whole industry is considering doing it. Now it's like AI is like, everyone's like, fuck, I think I need to like take the plunge. Um, and right now, like we, Google's kind of iffy on what's their stance. Like one, yeah, one second they, are, they right? say it's, it's automatically generated content and it's part of our spam policies as a no-no. And the other side, they're saying, as long as it's read, uh, written for humans and it's helpful mm. to the reader, it's okay. So like we're gambling right now, but in the way I'm using it is like, I'm just, I always just prepare for the worst. So I got like an edit process in there and I'm doing my best to like optimize and get it further away from AI content. But yeah, for sure. I got definite buns in the oven that are using AI. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Yeah. I think it's just, uh, a bit of a risk when even companies such as like bank rate are using AI content, you know, you, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you saw that. That's hmm. like, how, how are, how are we supposed to compete with them if they're utilizing this now? But I think, uh, Gail also had a great, um, study or like a great post on Twitter about this, like saying he analyzed all the AI content on a certain site, an authority site versus like human written and the human written, like had way more views. I think it was like 90% to or like 90 to one, something like that. So I guess there's still hope for us, but. 
Could also be like the human content just older on that site and the AI content couldn't be longer, older than six months, right? Yeah. Yeah, it could Mm be. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, with with our remaining time, I want to ask uh, questions I'm personally curious with. Um, We're not going to like speak on numbers, but like in terms of like the businesses you're involved in, which one's like your top one? And could you like go down the scale? Is is that like something you're comfortable to talk about? Or if not, off camera is cool too. Um, <laughs> I'd say Lead Springs number one. Lead Springs Lead, number one. Lead Spring by far is number one. Mm-hmm. And then the, the course, the agency, the conference is a different thing. Con- conference uh, does make profit, but that goes uh, into charity almost immediately. So I guess say Lead Spring and then Affiliate Lab Search Initiative de- depends on if it's Black Friday or not. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, yeah. You, do you want to plug your uh, SEO conference? When is it? Like, what kind of people are going? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, the speakers are seem like the lineup seems great. Yeah. So, Chiang Mai SEO conference, November 9th and 10th are the official conference days, but we, we get the party started on the 6th, which is Monday. And, and yeah, I think the, the difference on Chiang Mai SEO conference is like, you don't, if, if, you don't send like your employees to Thailand for a conference. You know, the, the, the business owner is like, no, fuck that. I am going, you can, you can stay back here. I'm going to go. So we get a, we get a room of 800 like decision makers. So like, these are the business owners, the super, the super affiliates, the portfolio owners, the agency leads, all that kind of stuff. Um, we, we get in a single room. So the, the conversations are pretty high level and, Something about like Thailand makes any any experience, whether you're a backpacker or a conference goer, unique. Thailand's a, a unique place, and people get into the vibe of the land of smiles. So networking is a little bit more rich, and people feel that, like they're on holidays. So they let loose a little bit more. We 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 party a lot. We party a lot. Not gonna lie, um, <laughs> it's a good time. And like out of uh, here's an interesting data point: is like out of all the stuff that I do. The worst ROI versus time is by far the conference. So for me to like do this again, there has to be some kind of motive. And the motive is someone's got to have this conference. So like once, once you go and you experience it, it almost feels like a high school reunion. Um, I, someone's got to keep it going. So that that's, that's a big part of why it I took off since 2019 and it's back in 2023. Just cause like, we need this, we need this. The industry needs this. Yeah, I agree. Um, some of the other SEO conferences I've been to, I won't speak on it, but it's located in Brighton are absolutely terrible. Um, <laughs> like I, I just, I, I can't go to those anymore, but it seems like Chiang Mai, the, the conference in Chiang Mai, it seems like it's a lot more high level because it's, it's the affiliates who go to Chiang Mai or the business owners. Whereas like, it'll be more in-house people going to these, you know, you, you send them to, uh, Western cities, you know, for these like Unbounce, for example, or something like that, like the HubSpot conferences in Boston, et cetera, et cetera. You wouldn't say that you, you meant you like, you're right. No, no one sends their employees to Chiang Mai. So yeah. this is a good opportunity. Who are the sponsors or like, how do you go about doing that? Uh, sponsors this year, HRF, Surfer. So, um, yeah, we've had Empire Flippers in the fast past. I think they're going to come back on. Uh, I just leave it up to my event planner and just have her, have her do it. Like, uh, I focus on the speakers and, uh, like the marketing and then let her do the rest. 
Because what what the hell would I know about throwing an event? It's like literally the opposite personality. You should be good at that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Nice, man. Um, well, yeah. I, I, hey, I appreciate you coming on today. Um, where can people find you? Where can our audience find you? I'm, I mean, I'm sure they already follow you. Yeah, diggitymarketing.com <laughs> or the Matt Diggity YouTube channel. That's where you can see what I'm putting out. Cool, man. Well, yeah, yo, I'm, I'll, I'm worried of the time. We have like a couple minutes left. So, um, yeah, I think we'll just cut it off here. Guys, if you guys are listening here, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just go. Stop, stop fucking around. Sure. I know Reveal I see it. you guys Call on me. Apple, Apple <laughs> podcast. Stop going there. We're trying to focus on YouTube here. We're trying to beat Matt Diggity. Um, but yeah, yo, appreciate you coming on. I'll see you in Chiang Mai, man, in a couple of weeks. Or right. I'll, I'll probably see you in Vietnam first. So yeah, let's, uh, how many days are you there for? Vietnam? Uh, I think Tuesday through Saturday. That's quite a bit. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get some time to hang out with, uh, Dom Wells and co. Uh, yeah, nice. Well, yeah, well. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks a lot, man. It's good right. chatting. Thanks for coming on. All right. Take care, James. Take it easy.